1: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn, with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
0: Uh, Good afternoon, everybody. Let's start off and uh, be positive, still be positive here. Life doesn't require that we be the best, only that we try our best. The greatest challenge in life is discovering who you are. The second greatest is being happy with what you find. I believe every human has a finite number of heartbeats. I don't intend to waste any. That's uh, uh, Neil Armstrong, by the way. Uh, there we go. Anyway, um, Look, I think there's some uh, real interesting stuff going on, and uh, I'm going to talk about that in a second. But the, the, at first, let's just talk about, you know, we we talk about our webpage. If you uh, go to WHK 1420 and go to local podcasts, go down to Tim Hayes' Smart Investor Show. By the way, you can listen to our podcast. You know, if if, if for some reason you you got to cut the lawn at 1 o'clock on Saturdays, you can always listen to the podcast, and I think it comes on the next day. So, uh uh, the tech, technical people have been doing a great job, Andrew, and Josh have been doing a great job for us. So, uh, but you can all, you know, look, we have a lot of material that is available to you. Uh, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our business owner's guide to transitions, family internet uh, inventory uh, workbook, what a better time to have all your ducks in a row, uh, credit access lines, the Savvy Investors Credit Handbook uh, is is uh, very popular don't forget, you know, we did win the JD Power uh, award this year. So we've won it two of the last 4 years, which is uh, pretty darn good for a uh um, a brokerage firm. Um anyway, if you go to my web page, uh, if you go to the the uh local podcast, you can go directly to my web page where you can uh download a lot of stuff, but if you go to in Well, first of all, Bob Dickey's on, on under uh uh the um, the the first is on the first page technical the technical update uh, it's on the right hand side under bulletin boards but if you go into insights this week you know last week we had the thing where you could uh listen to janet ingles interview our uh, biotech analyst and uh we also had the thing about the care act and, and, and name some names in there all right this week we have some other stuff we have uh janet ingles interviewing our oil analyst and what he thinks of the oil market and by the way you know was the best performing group in the last month? That's a question for everybody. Uh, we also have a piece there, of the markets showing mixed signals. The Federal Reserve, what you know, what's its strategy on COVID nineteen? Uh, the CARE Act, uh, how it's helping small businesses, and the, the COVID nineteen what's it doing to earnings estimates so uh, there's a lot of good stuff on there and uh, take it from there this is a live show so if you have a question you can call in here it's 216 901 0945 I certainly hope I have that phone number right (laughs) Uh, sometimes I I, you know I don't always get it right but I think it's 216 901 0945 so there we go Anyway, so uh, you know, Bob Dickey, who's uh, I think is uh, an excellent fundamentalist, uh, I mean, a technician, put out uh he puts out on a monthly basis um his his piece on uh, the the markets and, you know, where he thinks they're going, etc., cetera, et cetera. And um one of the things that uh, we like to to watch or or, you know, follow with with him is his uh, market maps. And um, he, he does a great job of kind of summing up uh, where, the, where the world is uh, at any given point or where the, the markets are at any given point uh, via these things. Now, what the, his first chart uh, shows the, the, the S&P 500 over the last 12 years. And, you know, we have this uh, huge uptrend, and we've been in the upper part of it for the entire time until this a little fiasco that occurred in March. And now we've come back and got back into the upper end of it. The question is, will we come back and test? And he also talks about the long term cycles in the market. You know, each 16 to 18 years seems to be a secular bull market. Now there's bear markets within them. We just had one. And then secular bull mar- uh, bear markets are 16 to 18 years long. We, you know, we had two two major bear markets uh, between 2000 and 2014. And, uh, but we had several bear mar- bull markets during that period of time too. So uh, there you go. Now, the one thing he looks at is the four-month moving average over, over the 13-month moving average. When the four-month is over the 13-month, usually we have a pretty good market. When it drops below, uh, that's when you have a problem. Also, when you have a big gap, and we had a big gap. Back in February and that's what I kept saying be careful be careful be careful and I did you know I didn't really understand how careful you had to be at that point but uh, you know uh, predictions aren't perfect all the time but we were uh, suggesting more cash than usual anyway right now uh, the four month is a big gap below let me say it again below the 13 month which means that we're probably uh, getting close to a major bottom if uh, Bob is correct and, uh, you know, look, a lot of people ask me, you know, uh, what should we be buying? Well, the banks, you know, they got hit hard, and the, the oil stocks got hit hard. So uh, that would be bottom fishing. And, you know, that may be the place to be eventually. Uh, but as for now, the stocks that held up the best were the healthcare group and the tech group. A large cap growth held up. Now, the other thing he mentioned was that, um, uh, you know, the investor sentiment – you know we're we're back down to where we were almost in 2017 so um you know it's amazing the highest we were in investor sentiment was in 04 and uh, the market went s- basically straight down for 2 3 years after that so <laughs> um but it does look like we're setting up for a major bottom and i think uh, a couple things number 1 is is the currencies, you know the us dollar has been in an uptrend, but I just wonder how long that can last with all the dollars that we just put out there. You know, it'll be kind of interesting to see. Um, the The other thing is gold, and he, uh, he thinks that, um, you know, the, the trend on gold has been accelerating to the upside and, and is approaching the next resistance, which, if broken, would, you know, send us to 2,000, 2,000, uh, you know, maybe 2,100 on, on gold. Um, he did notice that there's been an increase in bullish sentiment lately. So what we could do is pause on gold and go higher eventually. You know, oil uh, after the large drop in the price of oil, he would expect to see a longer-term bottoming range develop. Uh, you know, somewhere between ten and twenty dollars. And I, I would suspect that he's right. I think there's too much oil. What's really interesting is the Commodity Research Bureau index is back to where to one twenty, and it hasn't been to one twenty since 1959. Let me repeat that. The Commodity Research Bureau, which has oil, you know, it's 30% agriculture, 30% metals, 40% oil, is now back to where it was in 1959. Wow. Uh, Where's the inflation, folks, is what I want to know. What what was the Fed looking at? And we have interest rates at an all-time low. So, uh, you know, the lowest in the history of uh, the stock market. So um, there we go. I mean, it's you know it, it's a period of time where uh, you know things things are getting interesting. All right. So anyway, um, remember there's several themes we're talking about. Uh, 5G is very very important. Touchless technology, family and pets, telemedicine, and I think health healthcare is going to dominate for a long long time. I think and wellness and sustainability which is important and work from home you know we said five to twenty percent of the people they think are going to work from home and then the experience will matter more than uh than other things now i read george uh, gilder if you don't know who he is he's a very smart guy he he was a guy i read his stuff uh, back in 2002 and on this show started talking about the cloud probably before anybody knew about the cloud now after reading his article i I think over the next five to six years, we could, the cloud could be the great unbundling, okay? Uh, you know, he had a great quote this, this week. The government thinks money is, uh, constitutes wealth. In reality, money just measures wealth. Isn't that interesting? So it's May, it was uh, May 2nd, and, you know, they always say, uh, go away in May and come back after All Souls Day, right? So we'll talk about that a little bit here, but I think there's a couple things that occurred this week that I think is impo- that are very very important. Domestic on uh, domestic equities came in third today, you know, so they moved up from the fourth. Currencies fell down. Uh, now I don't know how long that's going to stay after Friday, but you know uh, we'll see. Um, you know I think we're going to go down test. That's what I said last week. The other thing is the bullish percent reversed up, which is really interesting. Uh, you know. It. it, it It reversed up on Tuesday, so we had three days of of being down, or eight days of being down, reversed back up on Thursday, and will it, you know, reverse back down? Who knows? But the one thing I did notice, if I look at dynamic asset leveling, that investing that our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us with, um, you know, there's something amazing occurred. And I asked earlier what group outperformed all the other groups in April, and it was energy. So energy went from second to dead last, you know, real estate's been dead last, moved all the way up to second place in dynamic asset level investing. So it gained 89 votes and consumer non-cyclical lost 51 votes. So it's technology, energy, healthcare, utilities are the top four, communication services, consumer cyclicals, basic materials, consumer non-cyclicals, financials, industrials, and real estates dead last. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, the other thing is, you know, we always talk about go away in May and come back some other day. Now, since 1951, okay, if you would have done just that, you, your average uh, return during that period of time, um, would during the week period, would be about Six percent, or 0.6 percent. If you were in the strong months, the average return would be about 7.22 percent. Actually, buy and hold for the first time beat it. There, there you would have eight percent there. Uh, now, in the best and worst years, if you were in the weak, the best time was 19 percent. The worst was 27. In the strong, it was 29. The worst was 14. Now what's really interesting is during this seasonality, we have noticed several groups do well. I'm not going to tell you what those are. Those are from my clients. If you want to become a client, give me a call. Uh, in the meantime, if you would have done the buy and hold strategy just in the seasonally weak periods and you put $10,000 in in 1950, you'd have about $11,000 now. But if you would have put them in the seasonally strong periods, if you would, you'd have a million. <laughs> that that was just buy and hold. So we bought and hold from basically November 3rd, 1st through May 1st, and then. But there are three groups that traditionally do extremely well. The other thing I noticed this this month is that the positive trend for all equities turned up for the first time into a column of X's. Uh, so that's another real interesting scenario. So we're starting to see some things happen that uh, I really like and. Uh, Starting to see some t- some things I, I don't like, but the bullish percent did turn up on Wednesday. It'll be interesting to see how long it stays. Um, you know, I was I was looking into what Lori Calcevina said this week, and uh, Lori is our uh, head strategist, and she's a pretty smart lady. Uh, you know, I, I think, and uh, sh- she talked about uh, several things that, um, you know, she talked about the fangs reestablishing uh, their Dominance, shall we say, and uh, also she felt like uh, that the uh, the small caps t- turned turned up and so did the mid caps turned up, and the question is, will they will they hold? And, and they didn't at the end of the week, so uh, you know, they turned up and turned right back down. So that was you know what she was worried about. Um, also, uh, you know, you know I I think there's going to be um, some things that we probably have to. Uh, talk about uh more, I should say you know coming up here, and that is uh you know it, it, in market maps, uh, our friends at, uh, at Dorsey Wright also talked about you know do, do you stay or do you go uh, during this period of time now here 's a couple things that I noticed uh, you know and and you know it was it was really kind of interesting uh, Amazon really weighed down. The entire consumer cyclical group as of Friday, but it also, if you would have wrote it up, uh, and I, I, you know, Bob Dickey and I and and uh, another person were talking about Amazon being a coiled spring back in 2000, and uh, some of my clients bought it, some of them didn't. Um, but the c- consumer discretionary, uh, it probably, you know, it it just it died at the 200-day moving average, which, you know, usually is a problem uh, <laughs> and can be a problem. And, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's a scenario where, uh, with that, I noticed that the semiconductor index did the same thing. It stopped right at its 200 – well, actually, it broke above its 200-day moving average and, and stopped right at its 200-day moving average on Friday. And um, so, so there were some big names in that uh, that pulled back almost all the way. Uh, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. You know, it's uh, um, uh, it's a period of time when, uh, uh, you know, we're having a lot of information come at us, and, uh, you know, it, the question is, how do you digest it? You know, for example, we just had all the earnings of all the major large cap, uh, um, you know, technology companies, and... You know, we, we noticed that if you look at the large cap index, it went right up to the 200-day moving average and crossed over it and then pulled right back to it. And it did it on some serious volume in the last couple of days, too. So that's not something you want to see. Um, and so I think what, you know, what we're, we're trying to say in so many words is if I've looked at some other recovery periods like 2003, 2007, 2008, and uh, we had similar chart patterns uh, that occurred during those periods of times, too. So uh, kind of an interesting time or an interesting, uh, uh, you know, what do you do in uh, times like this? And, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's kind of, um, you know, you can think both ways. You can be very, very bearish. You can be very, very bullish. And usually uh, the bulls win out, by the way. But, look, uh, Greg Swindland's group, uh, we'll get back to that. Uh, let's take a break. This is the Smart Investor Show. Remember, it's a live show. If you've got a question, 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back with Greg Swinlin. Or Aaron Swinlin, I'm sorry. But for some reason, we're having technical difficulties and we, we don't we haven't figured that yet. So anyway, I just want to be uh, some positive things that happened this week. There's a lot of Americans in stable financial positions that are answering the call to donate their stimulus check. So they get the check. They're giving it right back. I think that's fantastic. Oxford University has a vaccine that shows a lot of promise. Oregon is getting several shots of good news as it battles the, the coronavirus uh, pandemic. You know, they're they're really doing well up there. And nearly one in four New York City residents test positive for the for COVID antibodies, which is very positive. Carbon dioxide emissions are falling the most since World War II because nobody's uh, driving anywhere. Public grocery uh, stores uh, they're they're buying food from farmers and donating it to food banks. How about that? And female rowers in Venice, Italy, are delivering groceries to elder to the elderly by gondola. <laughs> and Jay Leno is producing face shields. 24-7 in his garage to give to healthcare workers. How about that? And some boys set up uh, a drive-by joke stand to spread laughter during the quarantine. I think that's good stuff. You know, I, look, one of the things that's happening right now is, you know, we're talking about the grand opening. And one of the things I think is important is is the declining uh, new corona cases in the U.S. and federal guidelines for lifting stay-at-home restrictions are going to allow many states to commence You know, a plan for gradually reopening. So you figure that we went from 100% not stay at home down to basically 0% at work during April. And now they think by the end of June we'll be back up to 80%. So the question is, uh, you know, I think, look, many investors, even health uh, professionals, are concerned about a second wave of infection. And the risk of the resurgence is, is difficult to quantify. But the current, you know, like you shape, Reopening provides some optimism for potential economic improvement coming up here. So that's something to uh, definitely think about. And um, I also want to talk about two other things. You know, if you're looking for a trading oscillator, Aaron Swinland uh, and has one that's been doing a great job. Uh, you know, he talked about the thing peaking um, just last week. And, and uh, it, it, as it peaked, it made kind of a double top, <clears throat> the market peaked. So I got to give them credit. The other one, that the McQuellen oscillator, has has been in a column of O's for a pretty long time. It actually, it's been showing. I mean, if you've been watching either one of these oscillators, it's given you some really good ideas uh, as to, uh, you know, the uh, when to get in, when to get out type of thing. I will say this: I look at the S and P 500, and I noticed that you know we were talking about that wedge shape last week. We broke out of the downside on that. So that's usually not a good sign. And so, you know, my prediction of, uh, you know, where we're headed, I, I think will be 2,500, uh, you know, probably uh, on the S&P 500 or 20,500 on the S- on, on the Dow and you know, to 21,000, somewhere in that range. So, um, but I, I do think, I got to give uh, credit to uh, um, our... <laughs> Uh, good friends at the, the Swinland Oscillators and the McQuillan Oscillators. They did a great job this week. You know, um, I, I noticed that uh, Lori Calcevina also has a uh, a really good piece where she's interviewed and she talks about the recovery roadmap, which is something that, uh, you know, I, I think it's one of the better podcasts I've ever seen. If you'd like to know how to get a hold of that, please let me know and I'd be glad to. Uh, ship it out to you because uh, I, I think it's a, it's an important uh, scenario. So now, look, the U.S. equity markets have held uh, and they they rallied from support at the 15-day moving average, which I thought that was kind of interesting, and then uh, just turned over and died. And, and the other thing was, you know, the VIX looks like the VIX wasn't going down, um, and uh, then it turned around and. Um, you know just it got beat up and then it reversed right back up so i think that's an undercut is what i'm i'm looking at and i looked at the s&p 500 weekly okay um momentum figures and, and i think it's very part important because weekly momentum's tracking you know one to two quarter shifts uh and it looked like it was bottoming you know um after peaking in mid november uh Hasn't hasn't bottomed yet though, and then the VIX you know broke broke down at thirty seven, which was uh, like a kind of a double bottom area, and then reversed back up, which um, you know I, I, people are getting faked out left and right here. I, even the bullish percent, I mean, the bullish percent has, and we're going to talk about it in the next uh, part of the show, but the bullish percent has gone from negative to positive four times in the month of April. Now, it turned positive this week. I, I don't think it's going to stay there very long, but we'll see. Now, I did notice the Russell 2000, which is uh, a very important, you know, look, right now, all you, what you've had in the month of April is the kings and the knights running the market. What you want is the foot soldiers, the archers, you know, the guys that, that bring the food along, et cetera, et cetera, to be involved because without them, uh, it'll be a short-lived rally. So we did have the Russell breakout, and we also had the mid-caps breakout, and uh, that's positive. The other thing, you know, last week we had the the, the growth stocks make a lower high, and this week they broke right out. So it, it's once again, uh, you know, gro- large-cap growth, and they're going right back to it. Uh, the S&P high beta is right at where it's bottomed in 2016, you know, uh, and in 2012, and is reversed back up versus the, the low volatility stocks. So that'll be interesting from here on in. If you look at it, it, it they broke out and then just got creamed the next day. So it's, it's really tough to figure out. International stocks, uh, still the relative strength compared to the S&P 500 is very low. So you want to be careful there. Um, the dollar index uh, is still not broken out. It still hasn't broken down. I'm just wondering, with all the dollars we're throwing out there, uh, you know, how long it can it can stay that way. The weekly momentum is very overbought, so it'll be interesting to see. I think it's interesting that gold's going up, even with the dollar rallying a little bit. Okay, uh, you know, with gold going down, that's interesting. But the Commodity Research Bureau index just broke all support, and is relative to gold. It continues to lead. The downside. So gold is the only commodity that is going up. And you may remember, I mean, gold versus copper is broken out to a new high. And you may remember last summer, I sent everybody out a note on gold. It was time to buy gold. If you bought the gold stocks, which is what I recommended, you'd be up 30, 40, some cases, 50%. So I think gold is a little bit overbought. Too many people are getting, uh, overly bullish okay now we are starting to see some leadership uh the automotive retailers the computer electronics education services footwear home improvement retail restaurants that type of thing are starting to break out uh the established stuff is is uh application software communication semiconductors system software we'll be right back with a bullish percent stay tuned this is the smart investor show tuned in this is the smart investor show we're still having technical difficulties and this is tough to do uh, from your uh, dining room uh, i've got my uh, my uh, good old friend here gunner who's my yellow lab sitting in right next to me here and uh, he's soon to be joined by sully uh, my crazy wife is going to get a puppy so uh, we'll have two yellow labs anyway um We'll try to get this right. I bought a microphone and got the headphones, so we'll try to get that all going next week again. So this week, um, one of the things I would say really got hit the hardest, who have taken the brunt of the COVID-19-related selling pressure within domestic equities, are the financial group and the oil group. Uh, The financials have uh, lost 25.6% this year. That, uh, that puts the group ahead of only energy in terms of year-to-date performance and uh, has contributed to a steep decline in the relative strength, dropping financials from third place uh, all the way to tenth among, um, you know, the people looking at it. So, now, I, look, I uh, I look, there's a significant drag on the banks, and, and the subsector of the 18 stocks accounts for about 40% of the XLF, which is the ETF that follows it, and uh, – I I think the the sole bright spot among the banks is First Republic Bank of uh, San Francisco. I'm not sure why, but it's a five for five and it ranks uh, first overall in the bank group. Uh, And unfortunately, uh, J.P. Morgan has been uh, the single largest detractor from the banks. And I think it's you know one two punch. You know the banks work on a spread, so whatever you know they borrow from the Fed Reserve, and then you know let's say it's a you know two percent. That's their 2% spread. Well, they're used to working on a three and a half four percent 4% spread, okay? They don't have it. Plus, Jamie Diamond had heart surgery, so uh, emergency heart surgery. So, you know, the combination was a one-two punch. I did notice the insurance group had struggled as well, but there is one local company, uh, Progressive, which is a 5 for 5. It's been on a, a relative strength buy signal for a long, long time. Uh, and it's it's actually returned 15.8%. And I'm not recommending or not recommending any stocks. It's just a comment, okay? So, look, diversified financials include 26 stocks that account for about 40% of uh, the underlying portfolio of the XLF. And there, there are some more bright spots in, in this area. There are CME Group, BlackRock, International Exchange, Moody's. Uh, you, you know, so we've had a couple that, that look, BlackRock is uh, – and Blackstone, both have been good. So, there we go. Anyway, let's get to the technicals. Um, you know, we always talk about the bullish percent, and the bullish percent was just designed for you people out there and, every, and and me to understand to be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. And it's funny, you know, here we are at 69 on the bullish percent. We're in a column of exits, even with Thursday and Friday. Now, I don't know how long that's going to last, but, uh, we, you know, Wednesday, or actually Tuesday night, we, we went to a we went to said turned up at sixty-four. Not good field position. Kind of think of it like football. You're at the one yard line, there's two minutes left, and you gotta go ninety nine yards to get to get a touchdown to win the game. Okay? Uh, and it started down in nine. <laughs> so it's not it's not really a good situation uh, to be buying stocks yet. I had clients calling me and buying stocks and I, it makes me crazy. I tell them, you know, hold off, hold off, hold off. Anyway. Uh, and it was hard to get them to buy when the bullish percent was at five again. So uh, my, the clients have been around for a while. You know, I've got some clients that I've done business with 30 years. It was a layup. You know, when we got to a five, you know, we were buying. Uh, I had people selling down there and I, you know, I, it's their money. i got to do what they tell me to, but I don't like it. Uh, but we were up 10 to 69, so we're right at that 70 level. Uh, now we can still go up. That's, that's fine. But I thought what was interesting was the over-the-counter index, uh, the small caps, went up 7 to 49. So they've given themselves a lot of room between where they break down. And, and the same thing happened with the world index. Uh, they were at 48, so they, they wouldn't break down to 42. So that's pretty positive. So we had all the major bullish percent indicators move higher over the week, even with Thursday and Friday. How about that? And the high-low indicators uh, continue in an uptrend. Most of them now, you know, they're right about the 52 level uh, for the bullish percent, uh, the 49 for the small caps, and 62 for, uh, you know, so that's pretty good stuff. Uh, you know, that's what you want, okay? Anyway, uh, you know, look. I did notice that the market recovery had broadened as small caps and mid caps actually outperformed the S&P 500 up until Friday, okay? So um, the New York bullish percent uh, reversed in column of Xs, which surprised me big. uh, Because, you know, I think it was just the number of stocks because the small caps and mid caps joined the party finally that got it going. Um, And and then the positive trend uh, reversed back up into a column of O's. Uh, at 18%, and, and now it's gone over 50, which is usually a good sign. So these are all good signs. It just doesn't feel that way after Friday, right? Um, now, the one, the one thing I will say is, is that all the point and figure charts for like the Dow, emerging markets, uh, small caps, uh, and even the, uh, well, even the mid caps are still negative. They've, been, they've had positive momentum for three weeks, but the QQQs, the equal weight, the S&P 500 market weight, and the XLG, which is the large cap stocks, have positive charts, uh, point and figure charts. So that's a, that's a good thing, but you'd like to see it spread out a little bit. Across the U.S. and uh, international equity markets, I think all t- 10 major market funds, uh, that, that, uh, we track and Dorsey Rice checks, uh, they finished up with gains of about 3%, which is very positive. You know, and we saw the IGH and the uh, uh, return to a buy signal. That's the mid-caps. Uh, it broke through its bearish resistance level at 168. And the I, IGH is now trading an overall positive trend, which is positive, obviously. It, it held up Friday. Uh, on Tuesday, the IGR, which is the small cap index, broke a double top at 62 and moved higher to sixty-three, making it the third consecutive buy signal. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if that holds. Uh, the S and P five hundred trust returned to a positive trend this week, uh, even with Friday. Uh, you know, so it, it, some of these broke their their downtrend lines. The IJR did not; it's still you know in a downtrend. So you got to be careful there. But it, it, you know, it's it's positive, and then we end the week looking kind of ugly. But I noticed with most of the uh, like the Invesco Equal Weight uh, ETF, the RSP, uh, you know, we, we had a sideways move and then we broke out big. Uh, and the, the S&P, the Dow Jones Industrial, got right to the resistance line and died. Same with the emerging markets and same with the uh, the other markets. So, you know, it's kind of tough. Now, we do have 26 stocks, our, our groups, that are in favor, favored sectors, which is positive. I, you know, I didn't get the numbers after Friday, so... Uh, this may change a little bit, so but these are where you want to be involved. This, these are the groups you want to be involved. In. I'm going to start out with the most overbought and then move our way down to the least overbought. But it's been proven time and time again that investing in the, in the worst stock in a favored sector will probably outperform, in about 90% of the cases, the best stock in an unfavored sector, just so you know. So at the, at the 70 mark, so these are pretty overbought, you want to wait on them, uh, restaurants and gaming. At 65 is semiconductors and software. Uh, I think semiconductors uh, went down a couple bucks uh, on Friday. At 60, gas utilities, Internet, leisure, and chemicals. At 54 is food, retailing, biotech, computers, electronic devices, business uh, products, and healthcare. At 50, this is a really good place to buy, I think, is precious metals, drugs, and transportation. At 44 is protection services, non-ferrous metals, insurance, and electric utilities. And at uh, 40 is oil. Oil. (laughs) Did you hear that? Oil is a favorite sector. Uh, Telephone services and aerospace. Uh, We have nothing under 30 at this point. So that's why I was saying, hey, you you know, you want to wait that last week. I thought, you know, there's a very good chance we could come back and, and uh, uh, you know, we're, we're probably going to test the low again, I, I think. I, I don't think the bullish percent is going to hold up, my personal opinion. I was surprised it turned back up. Now, you know, because the beginning of the week was really good, um, there was two groups that were terrible, uh, you know, nobody liked them, was Savings and Loans and Textiles, and they're almost at average now. So, uh, we did have a couple go from unfavored to average, and they were building uh, companies, autos, and forest and paper products. We had several go from unfavored or average up at the, you know, the, uh, the, there's two favored sectors. There's, you know, kind of favored and really favored, and they were non-ferrous metals, protection services, and retail. And then the most favored static is computers, healthcare, leisure, gaming, and restaurants. Uh, And I think that's all on, you know, basically, you know, the reopening theme, okay? I don't know if we'll reopen, but uh, I mean, I think there was some um, questions in some of the earnings like Apple. I mean, Apple's, I I mean, some people liked them and and some people didn't, um, but I just noticed in the first two months before the coronavirus hit, their revenue growth was tailing off. So... You know, Amazon had great revenue growth, but they said they're going to spend a lot of money. So, uh, you know, they, got, they, they hit them hard. Now, I did notice uh, I was looking at South Korea. South Korea broke a double top after breaking a, a, a quadruple top. So uh, that's usually a pretty positive type scenario. So you might want to look at some South Korean ETFs so you do your own uh, work there. Uh, I, I, somebody asked me about bonds. Boy, it's tough. I, you know, buying the government bond at point is eight percent is tough, but they still look good on the charts. Um, although I like to buy yield when it's up, and, and the only place there uh, that I see is that's positive is, uh, you know, basically high yield. Uh, crude oil is sixteen weeks of negative momentum. Gold's been up for five straight weeks. Um, the dollar is right at support, so you know that would. If the dollar went down, it would probably mean that you have to be uh, looking at, uh, you know, the, the basic materials. Relative strength buy signals. These can last for a long, long time. I'll write these names down: Bed Bath and Beyond, a buy signal. Atlanticus Holdings. There was insider buying on that at one. It's now 1480. Eyebolt, local company. Uh, Quest Diagnostics, Darden Restaurants. Remember last week, there was a whole bunch of insider buys. Breaker. Uh, International, Faroe Technologies, Holly Frontier, and oil company. Patrick Construction, Avid Biosciences, another biotech. Par Technology, we have a great report on that. MAG Silver, Summit Hotel Properties, uh, Natural Grocers by Vitamin, Regis Group, Ruth Hospitality, uh, Madrigal Pharmaceuticals, Six Flags Entertainment, that's an interesting one. Target Resources, another pipeline. WPX, another energy company. Ardmore Shipping, Choose uh, Holdings, Western Midstream Partners, another one. Plains GP Holdings, another part, another uh, oil company. Uh, Triple Point Venture Group, uh, El Dorado Resorts, that's uh, gambling. Fibrogin, Vivian Cellular and Shell Midstream Partners. Del Taco Restaurants, Snap, there's a name we haven't heard in a well. while, and Noble Midstream. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with insiders. This is Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show, and uh, we, it sounds like we have a caller on. I think it was Pete. Pete, you there? Yes. Hello. Yes, I am. Hi, Pete. Yes. Yeah. How are you? Very well. I had a question for you regarding market volume and activity. Um, What percentage of the market is driven by computer algorithm trading? Uh, That's a wonderful question, and uh, it depends, you know, on on when you're talking about. I mean, sometimes they may be 30% of the market. Um, Sometimes they may be 5% of the market. But they do, I mean, as, as much as they're Downplay. They do provide a lot of liquidity. Uh, it's much, you know, I, I just like to see the plus tick uh, rule come back in. <laughs> then they couldn't do that anymore. But anyway, what, you got another question? Yeah. Do they adjust those algorithms based on like recent events? Um, I mean, they're just computer programs where uh, certain trades are executed based on certain trigger levels. I gotta believe those probably are constantly being adjusted. Yes, yes they use AI to uh, adjust them fairly regularly, like minute by minute, literally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And one, one last question. Do you think the government is involved in helping stabilize the market? I, I heard in the past they used to have something called the plunge protection team that kind of intervened in the market to prevent it from dropping too far. Do you, do you think any of that's going on at this point? I can tell you that, you know, I lived in Chicago uh, when the 87 crash occurred, okay? And uh, I rode the train home with a bunch of guys from the uh, Merck, and uh, they said that nobody was buying on Monday after or Tuesday after the crash. And then a call came in from Ron Reagan, and suddenly the markets were up big. Well, I mean, I don't... You know, it could be a conspiracy theory. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, yeah. You know, look, capitalism works a lot, and sometimes it needs some help. And uh, you know, everybody's a capitalist until uh, times like this, and then everybody becomes a socialist.
1: <laughs>
0: Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, all right. Thanks, Tim. Uh, great show. Thanks. Uh, uh, all right. Have a great day. See you. Pete. Once again, you got a question: two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. It's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Now we, we talk about insiders on this show quite a bit because uh, insiders uh, just know more than we do. So look, what we're doing is we're starting out with the big economy. We talked about Bob Dick's market match, which kind of looks at the whole economy. And then we've moved down to specific ideas. We gave you a bunch of names relative strength buys. Uh, now we're talking about insider buys. These guys are early, very early in some cases. But look, I just, we just had another company taken over. Uh, Arcus is, you know, there's, there's rumors that uh, Gilead's going to buy him, and the insiders were buying back in February. And it didn't go down during the market correction. It did not go down. It was a 10. It stayed at 10. And now it's a 28. Not a bad call by the insiders, right? So uh, I was going to tell you about Al Gore and what he's been buying lately, but I don't really like the guy, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to. Uh, anyway, simple Foods. Uh, we had a director, uh, James Kilt, uh, by $1.48 million worth. And we had three other guys, actually six others, buy stock. And it's anywhere from 35000 uh, the CFO bought some, the C, uh, the chief operating officer bought some. It was like six guys. So something's going on with Simple Food. And we had Avero Capital advisors uh, who have been buying uh, this, the same stock for some time now. And it's Immumedics. And they had some really good news last week. Uh, you know, I I own some of this stock because I own a lot of Seattle Genetics, which had really good news on Friday. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it was very positive news on uh, uh, one of their drugs, and I think you should take a look at it. But they bought another uh, 1.7 million shares, which is about $50 million worth, and they own 26 million shares. Uh, you know, so... The, it, it's a thirty dollar stock. It's a lot. And these guys are pretty smart. That's pretty smart money. And then once again, we had Jack Shuler, who uh, owns ten. He owns fourteen million shares of Accelerated Diagnostics. He bought another eighty one thousand shares. It's only eight hundred thousand bucks, but there we go. And here's some things. That, you know, uh, look, insider buying is kind of tapered off a little bit. Okay, so I just want to talk about a couple things that I thought were interesting. Delta Airlines. We had a director, Jeannie Jackson, buy uh, about $570 million worth. And then the other thing I noticed is a lot of financial companies, there's been some buying. Uh, Rob McCormick at uh, the uh, Trust Corp Bank of New York, uh, who owns a million shares, bought another 65000 this week. Um, we had Cincinnati Financial. We had a director there by uh, uh, about 250, and They got killed, by the way. Synchrony Financial, which is the spinoff from GE, uh, Jeff Immelt spun it off right at the bottom. <laughs> it didn't give any of the GE people any any uh, stock. Uh, you know, they they uh, they um, had an insider buyer. He's a director. Um, he bought about two hundred fifty thousand. Uh, Allied Bank Corp. Allied Financial, I should say. Webster Bank Corp. Uh, two hundred ten thousand. Agency. Uh, Investments, which is Morgan Investments, you know, bought some. And by the way, Jeff Yang bought some more AT&T. Last week, it was a big buy. And then Unity Bank Corp. Uh, we had the, uh, Bob Dallas, Bob Dallas and David Dallas. David Dallas is the chairman of the board. Bob is the director. They bought a couple, uh, things. So a lot of banks. And then we had another, you know, guy from Webster, uh, director Bill Atwell. If you don't know who he is, you should. And then, uh, Sterling Bank Corp. We had another and then another from Cincinnati Financial. Uh, who's a director. So a lot of financials, uh, uh, buyers. Now we also had a couple more. So I'll just mention this. Uh, we, uh, we, we've, we've, talked about this company before, and I don't think anybody's really, uh, said anything to, uh, or bought any, but, uh, VBI vaccines, uh, prospective advisors who are 10% owner, bought another $10 million worth of stock. Uh, so, you know, the vaccine business is good. And and then, uh, you know, we had another name um, that uh, uh, Pfizer had bought some of, and I noticed that there were several other people that had bought stock, and that's uh, Imericorp. Uh, and it was a new issue in a while, but Orbimed Advisors bought 15%. Uh, RA Capital bought uh, $10 million worth. And Eric's Bioscience has bought a 9.4% stake in the company. So a lot of insider buys there, uh, uh, you know, something that you have to pay particularly close attention to. So it was funny because um, the number of insiders have gone down drastically in the last two weeks. So they've anticipated the move. Remember I said – at the bottom, it was more insider buyers than I'd ever seen before. And now I'm seeing no, nobody nobody buying, all right? Now, what was interesting was last week we talked about, you know, we we're, were in this uh, really tight formation. It was kind of a wedge formation. Usually when you break out of there, you have a problem. And I, I you know, I, I thought we were going to 20,500 to 21,000 on the Dow. We broke out of that. And I noticed that uh, Bob Dickey, uh, you know, this was, I thought, was very, very interesting, and uh, but he changed uh, his pattern a little bit uh, so that, uh, you know, it, it was a bigger wedge, and we broke out of that on the downside. So, look, it's normal to want to compare, you know, uh, current markets and economic conditions with past history. And uh, Although certain parts of current situation may rhyme with history, it's not enough to be anywhere near certain what lies ahead. That's the problem. The main difference between the current bear market and recession with past events is that our condition today was not caused by the t- typical financial bu- bubble. It was outside. It was a black swan event. It was a virus crisis. Okay? So, uh, you know, you got to remember that type of thing. And, and I think that, you know, look, uh, here's what I'd be thinking about I, I'd be looking at our dividend growth portfolio folks you can't fake dividends you can't the accountants will rip rip the you know the uh, annual report apart and they'll know right away the prime income list is probably good for all your retirees because these are high quality names with good dividends. Uh, you know we talked about our insight page at our webpage. so if you go to w h k fourteen twenty. Local podcast, go down to Tim Hayes Smart Investor Show. First of all, you can hear any of my past podcasts, or you can hear the podcast again tomorrow if you won't really want to bore yourself. <laughs> but if you go to my webpage, look, go to Insights. We have a thing on the oil market, our insights on the market, uh, and its mixed signals that's been putting out. The CARE Act, very important. How COVID is changing earnings. The Fed's plan for COVID, what they're doing. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff out there. We also have the family inventory workbook, uh, you know, Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. You can get this just by, there's all email me, contact me's, just hit it and let me know. Or you can call me for that matter. Um, remember, I'm just proud of this. We won the J.D. Power, uh, we're number one in the J.D. Power survey for the same time in four years. Uh, not too many brokerage firms have said that, and I, I'm very proud of it. By the way, there's other stuff out there. There's the Business Owner's uh, Guide to Transition uh, we got a lot of stuff out there that you can get and grab. And, uh, just hit the contact me or email me. In the meantime, it's the weekend. Have a great weekend. It's supposed to be a beautiful day today. You know, get outside. It's been a long winter. Uh, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Uh, have a great weekend. Remember, buy low, sell high.
1: Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888 223 7742. Or visit his website, slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.